Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, to the podcast. And how do you like that? New microphone sound. New microphone sound. I hope it sounds a lot better. And I hope you can turn it up louder without getting all that hiss and hum. All right. I'm excited by that. (laughs) Simple things, eh? Um, We're talking about John Milton, part one. Um, We just went through the first poem, the hymn of the morning of Christ's nativity. Subject matter-wise, I I don't really, you know me, I'm not that partial to a... uh, to a hymn or, or a Jesus song or poem, as it were. Um, but I do agree with this, what Swim says the Mama Fishy said. To me, it's immediately apparent that this is an immense talent at work. He was only 21 when he wrote this poem, which is amazing. And yeah, I do agree. It is immediately apparent that this is a great poet. And also you get the sense that um, there's a kind of reservation or, no, not reservation, like a restraint. He's not trying to show off with every line. It's just good. And you get the sense, like, that's a taste thing, and that's that's one of the hardest things to master. Um, but I um, get you get the sense that he could just keep going all day, you know, and that's what he did. He wrote epics in verse. Paradise Lost, you know, I think. Wait, is that his one? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he could just keep going like that. And he did keep going like that. And that's the sense that you get. He wrote this piece in celebration of his 21st birthday and in commemoration of the nativity of Jesus. The poem speaks on the themes of coming of age and religion. Scholars often associate the composition of this work with Milton's age and the birth of Christ. He's celebrating the nativity, but also his own entry into the adult world. This piece is commonly recognized as Milton's first great poem. A TLDR courtesy of poem analysis. The poem takes the reader through a series of natural images at the beginning of the poem. The poet speaks on what the sun, stars, moon and nature in general were doing. Their reactions are similar and expressed for the reader the power of the child's birth. Alright. Read a few for you today. A couple of short ones and a long one. The first one's called On Time. Fly, envious time, till thou run out thy race, call on the lazy lead in stepping hours, whose speed is but the heavy plummet's pace, and glut thyself with what thy womb devours, which is no more than what is false and vain, and merely mortal dross, so little is our loss, so little is thy gain. And when, as each thing bad thou hast entombed, and last of all thy greedy self-consumed, then long eternity shall greet our bliss with an individual kiss, and joy shall overtake us as a flood, when everything that is sincerely good and perfectly divine, with truth and peace and love shall ever shine, about the supreme throne of him to whose happy making sight alone, when once our heavenly guided soul shall climb, then all this earthly grossness acquit, Attired with stars, we shall forever sit, triumphing over death and chance and thee, O time. At a Solemn Music Blessed pair of sirens, pledges of heaven's joy, sphere-born harmonious sisters, voice and verse, wed your divine sounds and mixed power employ, dead things with in-breathed sense, able to pierce. 
and to our high-raised fantasy present, that undisturbed song of pure content, a sung before the sapphire-coloured throne to him that sits thereon. With saintly shout and solemn jubilee, where the bright zephyrin is now burning row, row, there loud uplifted angels' trumpets blow, and the cherubic host in thousand choirs touch their immortal harps of golden wires, and with those just spirits that wear victorious palms, hymns devout and holy psalms, singing everlastingly, that we on earth, we, with underscoring voice, may rightly answer that melodious noise, as once we did till disproportioned sin jarred against nature's chime with harsh din, broke the fair music that all creatures made to their great lord whose love their motion swayed in perfect diapason whilst they stood in first obedience and their state of good oh may we soon again renew that song and keep in tune with heaven till god ere long to this celestial consort us unite to live with him and sing in endless morn of night <clears throat> and lastly, this is a biggie. It's called Allegro. 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 There we go. Hence, loathed melancholy of Cerebus and blackest midnight born in Stygian cave, forlorn amongst horrid shapes and shrieks and sights unholy, find out some uncouth cell where brooding darkness spreads his jealous wings, and the night raven sings there under even shades, and low-browed rocks as ragged as thy locks in dark Cimmerian desert ever dwell, but come thou, goddess fair and free, in heaven, eclipsed, euphrosine. And by men, heart-easing mirth, whom lovely Venus at a birth, with two sister graces more, to ivy-crowned Bacchus more, or whether, as some soger sing, the frolic wind that breathes the spring zephyr with aurora playing, as he met her once a maying, there on beds of violets blue and fresh-blown roses washed in dew, filled her with thee a daughter fair, so buxom, blithe, and debonair. Hastily, nymph, and bring with thee jest and youthful jollity, Quips and cranks and wanton wiles, nods and becks and wreathed smiles, such as hang on Habe's cheek, and love to live in dimple sleek, sport that wrinkled care derides, and laughter holding both his sides, come and trip it as ye go on the light fantastic toe, and in thy right hand lead with thee the mountain nymph, sweet liberty, and if I give thee our honour due, mirth admit me of thy crew. To live with her and live with thee in unreproved pleasures free, to hear the lark begin in f his flight, and singing startle the dull night from his watch tower in the skies till the dappled dawn doth rise, then to come in spite of, so of sorrow, and at my window bid good morrow through the sweet briar or the vine or the twisted eglantine. While the cock with lively din scatters the rears of darkness thin, and to the stack or the barn door stoutly struts his dames before, oft listening how the hounds and horn clear, cheerly rouse the slumbering morn. 
From the side of some hoar hill, through the high wood echoing shrill, some time walking not unseen by hedgerow elms and hill locks green, right against the eastern gate where the great sun begins his state, robbed in flames and amber light the clouds in thousands liveries dight, while the ploughman near at hand whistles o'er the furrowed land, and the milkmaid singeth blithe, and the mower wets his scythe, and every shepherd tells his tale under the hawthorn in the dale. Straight mine eye hath caught new pleasures, whilst the landscape round its measures, russet lawns and fellows grey, where the nibbling flocks do stray, mountains on whose barren breast the labouring clouds do oft rest, meadows trim, with daisies pied, shallow brooks and rivers wide, towers and battlements it sees, bosomed high in tufted trees, where perhaps some beauty lies, and cynosure of neighbouring eyes, hard by a cottage chimney smokes, from betwixt two aged oaks, where Corridon and Thyrus meet, are at their savoury dinner set, of herbs and other country messes, which the neat-handed Phyllis dresses, and then in haste her bower she leaves, with Thestilus to bind the sheaves, or if the earlier season led, to the tanned haycock in the med, sometimes with secure delight the upland hamlet will invite, when the merry bells ring sound and the jocund rebucks sound, to the many a youth and many a maid dancing in the chequered shade, and young and old come forth to play on a holy sunshine holy day, till the livelong daylight fail, then to the spicy nut-brown ale, with stones told of many a feat, with fairy mab and junkets eat, she was pinched and pulled, she shed, and her by friar's lantern led, tells how the drudging goblin sweat to earn his cream bowl duly set, when in one night ere glimpse of morn his shadowy flail hath threshed the corn, that ten-day labourers could not end, then lies him down, the lubbard fend, and stretched out all the chimney's length, basks at the fire his hairy strength, and crop full of doors he flings, ere the first cock his matin rings, thus on the tails to bed they creep, by whispering winds soon lulled asleep, towered cities please us then, and the busy hum of men, where throngs of knights and barons hold, bold, in weeds of peace a high triumph hold, with stores of ladies whose bright ease, eyes reign influence and judge the prize of wit, of arms, while both contend to win her grace whom all commend. There let him, there let Hymen oft appear in saffron robe, with taper clear and pomp and feast and revelry with mask and antique pageantry. Such sights as youthful poets dream on summer eves by haunted stream, then to the well-trod stage anon, if Johnson's learned sock be on, <clears throat> or sweetest Shakespeare fancies child. Sorry, I don't know what just happened to my mouth. It was kind of gross. <laughs> I like clucked. Or sweetest Shakespeare fancies child, warble his native wood notes wild and ever against eating cares, lap me in soft Lydian airs, married to immortal verse, such as the meeting soul make pierce in notes, with many a winding bout, of linked sweetness long drawn out, with wanton 
hot on heed and giddy cunning, the melting voice through mazes running, untwisting all the chains that tie the hidden soul of harm and I, that Orpheus self may heave his head from golden slumber on a bed of heaped Elysian flowers, and hear such strains as would have won the ear of Pluto, to have quite set free his half-regained Eurysides. These delights, if thou canst give with mirth with thee, I mean to live. Alright, there you go. That's our poems for tonight. Thank you very much for listening. See you tomorrow.